2: This
0: is the M.D.'s Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy.
1: We're here! We're here! We're here! It's week one. It's week one, Chris. Week one is here. MD Nation, welcome into to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as you can tell, we're so excited that the NFL season has actually finally kicked off. No more hypothetical what-if, what-that, where to draft these guys. It's here. Your drafts are done. We are here to actually talk about matches. We're here to talk about wins and losses. We are here. To win you guys the championship. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here Chris Dauhauer. We're going to be talking about, of course, the Thursday night preview and all of the early Sunday afternoon matchups with a mailbag segment at the end. Feel free to comment throughout the show as you watch the stream at belly up MDFF Show on social media or on the YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please go and subscribe. But we got one more thing that we got to talk about today, Chris, because we launched something new today.
0: Breaking news.
1: If you have Roku TV, and soon if you're going to have Apple TV and Comcast and a whole bunch of other things, but for now, if you have Roku TV, we are now streaming live on the Fox DTV network starting today, starting right now with a whole new audience. So now you can kick back on the couch and throw up the MD's Fantasy Football Show while you're having a cup of coffee in the morning or lunch or whatever your schedule may be on a Thursday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., and now you can watch us in even more places. What a great way to kick off the NFL season. Chris, how are you doing
2: today? I mean, I'm super excited. Can you feel it? It's the <laughs> beginning of football, finally. And we got MDs everywhere right now. We're on the radio. We're on Roku. We're, we're just, we're everywhere. So it's, it's perfect day for me. Football kicking off and you get to listen to MDs and talk sports.
1: Absolutely. Of course, don't forget, we'll be on from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network two nights leading up into kickoff. So make sure you tune into that on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Now that we got all that out the way, it's time to actually talk about the minutia of your league this week. First of all, we don't have any like, so here's how it kind of goes. If you're new to the show, Here's basically how it breaks down. Thursdays and Fridays, of course, are our preview shows. We usually have breaking news, if there's breaking news to talk about. But if it's just injury news, we'll talk about it as we go through these games. So we don't necessarily have a breaking news segment unless there's a COVID breakout or something crazy happens. We have to make sure we get it out to you. Of course, there's some things that happen throughout the week. But most of everything we're going to talk about will be in today's slate of games or in tomorrow's slate of games, of course, from 11 a.m. to 1230 p.m. At social media at the MDFF show on the YouTube channel. We'll be back then. So we'll talk about this as we go through. So I want to get right into it, Chris. Right into it. Right to the Thursday night game. The Tampa Bay Bucks, the Dallas Cowboys, tonight's matchup. We have one piece of injury news on the Dallas Cowboys to talk about. First, Zach Martin. He is out. What do you think that's going to be today?
2: I mean, I think that's definitely a huge impact on the Dallas Cowboys offense, particularly Zeke Elliott. I mean, we already know that Tampa Bay's defense is really hard to basically run on. You're going to get Sue back this week. He came off the COVID list this past week. You have Vita Bay in the middle. You got his great linebackers. So I do think it kind of knocks Zeke down a little bit, and it could make that kind of a little jumpy because you're going to have some interior pressure possibly. But I do think that's a huge thing. Um, I hopefully still it's going to be a great game, but yeah, I do think it's going to impact Dallas.
1: Yeah, with Ezekiel Elliott, look, he's going up against a tough matchup in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here with against one of the top defensive lines. They were the top rushing defense last season. This may hinder his efficiency in this game. Now, that doesn't mean you're benching Ezekiel Elliott or anything to that nature. But don't be surprised if you don't get that big Zeke type of game. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this throughout the week, and they are saying that Zeke might actually be a buy low because you have some people who – we're not thrilled to maybe take him in the first round because of his inefficiencies, his worst year of his career last year. And then you top it off with a tough matchup with a non-healthy offensive line against Tampa Buccaneers. If he really disappoints, do you think he could really be a buy low after one week of football in that situation?
2: Well, I hope owners aren't dumb enough to do that. I mean, everything that we've heard, Zeke is supposed to be in shape. Don't get discouraged just because he has a, you know, a struggle the first game possibly. I wouldn't expect to see too much tonight, but it doesn't mean necessarily that I would unload Zeke Elliott. I think he's going to have plenty of better football ahead of him. His offense is still going to have a lot to gel. So, I mean, don't forget, Doc Prescott really hasn't been practicing. He didn't participate in any kind of preseason. So, I don't expect the Cowboys' offense to come out, you know, firing off the bat. But it doesn't mean panic in any kind of stretch of the means because I think Zeke's good days are coming very soon. And if you can buy your Zeke on cheap, you definitely want to do that. I think anybody who's as an owner of him would be stupid to make that move.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree here. So wanted to get that out of the way real quickly. What we expect as Ezekiel Elliott, we still have him in the top 12. No, we need to worry about there. The big thing is don't be concerned. If you're somebody who drafted him in your first round, you weren't thrilled about it. Don't be concerned after one week, please. Uh, other news on Tampa Bay side, everyone's good to go. Giovanni Bernard was dealing with a mid-ankle sprain. He's going to be fine. He's going to be out there. Chris Godwin, there was a little bit of a scare on Tuesday because he popped up on the injury report with a quad injury, but he is going to be good to go. So he's play him, plug him. This is this is still Dallas' secondary, right? This is still Dallas' secondary. I like what they did in the front seven. I like the draft pick of Mika Parsons. I think they might actually be a tougher team to run on than people are realizing going into the season. But that secondary is still terrible. I'm starting Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown without any hesitations whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I'm 100% on the same page with you. I mean, not only is this defense going to still be a Dallas Cowboys defense, particularly in the secondary, it's a really young defense, and we've seen Tom Brady pick apart young defenses before. While I love Parsons, I do think he's going to have a little bit of growing pains tonight because I think you're going to see Tom Brady try to attack him in a lot of ways because he's still adjusting to the NFL game. So I think this is going to be a huge matchup for those receivers, and I love all three of them.
1: Yeah, 100%. So let's talk about the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, he makes his return. Now, what, are you, what, is, what is a successful return for a Dak Prescott in a game like this?
2: To me, I'm thinking you're looking for at least about 250 passing-wise. You're hoping for two to three touchdowns, and you want to see him kind of use his legs. I think that's going to be the key. Is he scrambling around? Is he afraid to run, or is he going to you know, still utilize his legs to kind of give you that floor that you're looking for in a Dak Prescott? So I wouldn't expect him to go crazy. The Tampa Bay defense is very good. They brought all their starters back. They added Tryon in the draft. So I think you're going to have, you know, he's going to see some pressure. He's going to see some good, you know, tougher matchups. But I do think you're looking for Dak basically to kind of show you what you hope to see, that he can still run around a little bit, he can still make plays, and he's still going to be effective. They still have three awesome receivers to throw the ball to, so I expect him to have a pretty good floor.
1: Yeah, and I don't think their tight ends are slouches either. They're going to be mixed in with Ezekiel coming out of the back. But you can see here, you got up on the graphic if you're watching the live stream. We got Dak Prescott as my seventh-ranked quarterback on the week. I, he'll see some pressure. That's for sure. But the one thing you could do against Tampa Bay last season is that if you had the ability to spread them out, which Dallas does have, you could actually throw the ball on them a little bit if you can give him a half a second to protect himself. So the point should be there. I mean, I believe the over-under on tonight's game, and I'll throw that up there real quick too, is about 51 and a half. So you're, everyone's expecting a high-scoring type of game tonight from this matchup. It's actually over, over-under at 52 now. It just moved up. Expect Dallas to score. Don't be afraid to play anybody, even though this might be a tougher matchup on paper. Every, everyone's dominant. Everybody's dominant. Go back to the wide receivers, and what we expect here tonight. Out of all these guys, frankly. And you lead it off. I got Mike Evans as my top five wide receiver. Again, going up against that Dallas secondary. There's been so much talk about how great he looks coming out of training camp. in shape-wise. Maybe even more so than he has been any other year in his career. We know Tom Brady's going to throw him as many red zone targets as he possibly can. Because there seems to be nobody he trusts more going into the red zone than a Mike Evans. Then we have... Chris Godwin, I have him at wide receiver 10. Again, he's good to go, as solid as it could be. Antonio Brown makes my top twenty four at 17. All three Tampa Bay receivers should be in there. And then I have CeeDee Lamb at twenty two, Amari Cooper at twenty four. And I do believe Michael Gallup actually made my top forty, or just outside my top forty eight for Michael Gallup. So everyone's a play. Everyone's a play in my book. Yeah, Here's I just.
2: Agree. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't disagree at all. I think that you're looking for, the, especially Dallas receivers, you want to see who's matching up in the slot the most. You know, Sean Bunting kind of struggled last year. That's where you kind of attacked the Tampa you know, Bay, talked about spreading them out. You attacked them with at their slot corner. And I think that whoever kind of matches up there more consistently, whether it's a CD Lamb or it's a Cooper or even a Gallup, is going to probably have the bigger game.
1: The only group in this game on either side of the ball that's not a play well, actually, it's two groups, and they both have to be on Tampa Bay the tight ends not playing anybody in the tight end group. I want to see exactly how that breaks down between Gronk and OJ and Cameron Bray and how that's all going to mix in before I trust anybody to play there. And, of course, the big one that we want to talk about more so is the running backs for Tampa Bay, especially Bernard back healthy. This is a game to get a good look into how this rotation might go. But even though it's against Dallas, I'm not playing Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, or Genevieve Bernard if I can at all help it.
2: Yeah, if I'm going to play any of those two positions that you're talking about, I would start Gronk over any of the other tight ends. I have the most faith. He's the guy who's kind of – you've heard O.J. Howard kind of struggle and coming back from his injury. Um, Cameron Brait isn't really heavily involved in the offense, so Gronk could still get a touchdown here or there. And if I'm going to touch that backfield, it's probably going to be Ronald Jones. I think he's going to get the first crack kind of being the, the two-down back, the early two-down back. We know Gio's kind of locked in as that third-down back. Leonard Fournette seems to kind of be the odd man out, where they're going to kind of sprinkle him in here or there. Allow him to kind of run the ball, maybe have a couple catches, but I think Ronald Jones is the guy that I would look for. You know, especially with him, big it's up big. you will probably see him be the kind of the closer.
1: I actually have Leonard Fournette ranked 30th, just barely in that flex territory, but ahead of Ronald Jones, who's at 44. So I'm in disagreeing with you there. I think Ronald Jones might get the first crack on the first series, but from what I'm understanding and from what I'm anticipating, and trying to use some logic and reason, probably to a situation that has none, is that. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones will split series by series, and it's all going to depend on what they do on that particular series with Genevieve Bernard getting all the passing down work. Here's the problem with Ronald Jones. The second he fumbles, the second he drops the ball, that's it. That's as short as this leash is going to be in this situation. Where Leonard Fournette, at least last year, even when that thing, those things would happen to him, seemed to have a longer leash than a Ronald Jones That because he has a little bit of a better ability to catch the football than a Ronald Jones does. So I'm anticipating by the end of the night... Leonard Fournette will have a few more touches than a Ronald Jones would. But ultimately, I'd rather not play anybody in this situation if I can at all help it and just see how this whole thing kind of plays out and we'll have a better idea going into week two because nobody really knows.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, t- I tend to agree. I-, I wouldn't touch this backfield if I can avoid doing so. Having said that, I, I-, I kind of go with what the insiders have been kind of reporting throughout the summer, and that's that Ronald Jones was pretty much going to play the same role he played last year during a regular season. We saw Fournette kind of take over during the playoff stretch, but they everything I'm understanding, Ronald Jones is going to kind of get that first crack. They didn't bring Ronald Fournette back to an extended contract. They still have Ronald Jones for another year. Um, so I do think that he's gonna probably be the guy, but I don't disagree that once he screws up, misses a pass protection or fumbles the ball, he could get easily yanked out of the game.
1: Which is why just ultimately I don't want to trust that why I have him ranked that RB forty four for the week as it stands right now. What we do want to talk about real quickly is the betting itself. This is gonna be a new twist for the show this year. We're at the end of each preview. We go through the fantasy football analysis. We're going to talk about the main lines that you would, that most people normally bet on. You know, the, We have the, the points line, the money line, and the over-under. And we'll let you know if it's a bet that we want to have or if maybe it's a game that we don't want to bet at all. So, Chris, when we talk about the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as it stands right now, and these are all, according to my bookie, which is a big sponsor of the show, we'll have a word from them in a minute, minus eight for Tampa Bay. Of course, you got the money lines plus 310 for Dallas, minus 400 for Tampa Bay, and then the over under set at 52. What out of that do you like, if anything?
2: I might go on the over under. I might think the points are a little bit higher than the 52. I don't think it's gonna be that much higher, but I do think both teams are gonna at least score in the 20s. I think one team's definitely gonna score in the 30s, which I think is gonna be Tampa. Um, I do think I wouldn't necessarily bet against the odd the spread, I think it's a pretty a solid spread. I expect Tampa Bay to pretty much win this game by between eight to 10 points. um, I think that you're going to see Dallas's offense struggle just a little bit just because, like I said, they haven't really had a whole lot of continuity this off season. Dak hasn't really been back there consistently. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper's been in and out. So I do think you might see a little bit of them sputtering initially while Tampa Bates is coming and rolling right back from last year.
1: Yeah, the score I have for this game is 34-24. So I have 58 points going into this game. I'm betting the over on this game. Uh, that's the one bet I'm, I'm with you. The point spread, I don't... The value go either way there, although I do like the minus 110 for minus 8 for Tampa Bay if I'm going to bet one way or another. But to me, the bet to make tonight is the over-under. I do think we're going to have a good shootout game. The way I see this going is Tampa Bay comes out strong, and Dallas has to play catch-up in the second half, making this a shootout game by the end of it. So I'm big on the over-under tonight at 52 for Tampa Bay and Dallas.
2: So yeah, good. Forget- good gonna say, don't forget, both teams play with pretty good pace, so that's why you have also a good chance for this, you know, point to, these points to be higher than you expect.
1: Yeah, and this goes back to, you know, even though Tampa Bay does have a very good defense, you can spread them out, you can throw on them, and I expect them to be playing some prevent defense when we get to that second half, because I do expect Tampa Bay to be up by a couple scores going into either the bottom end of the third quarter fourth quarter area where they got to come back from behind. So that's what I'm expecting to see tonight. Big fantasy points tonight, too, with a big over-under like that. So it's going to be really exciting to kick the NFL kickoff with that game in particular. What we're going to do right now is take a quick break. Come back on the other side after a quick word from our sponsor. We still got all the early Sunday games to talk about and the mailbag segment at the end, guys. So stay tuned here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. Do you like easy money? Of course you do. Now, thanks to my bookie and their lock of the season, if either team scores in the NFL season opener, you win. A game hasn't ended in 0-0 since World War II, so this is as sure of a bet as it gets. Head to mybookie.ag, select the lock of the season, and if any team scores between the Dallas Cowboys or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you win. The best bet is one that you can't lose. MyBookie is also playing host to several exclusive contests, including their $100,000 Super Contest, and it only costs $10 to enter. There's big money on the line this season, so don't wait to get in the game. Join now. Head to MyBookie.ag today and use promo code MDFANTASY to receive double your first deposit and get started with MyBookie today. Bet anything are back. On the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show On YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, go ahead and subscribe. We'll have lots of videos coming out for you guys. Give us a look on our TikTok channel too, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, because we're coming out with new content on TikTok going through the season as well. We're also streaming live on Roku TV on the Fox D channel today. Very excited about that. So all great new ways to get content out to UMD Nation to give you guys the edge as we go through this season. As we go through this season, the next up, the first early Sunday game we're going to talk about is the Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. A game born and bred for fantasy football because these are two teams that I don't expect to make the playoffs or really be anything of significance, but there's fantasy value to be had here starting off with the quarterbacks, particularly the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts comes in at my number two quarterback on the week. Remember, Atlanta's terrible. Their defense might actually be even worse than it was a season ago, believe it or not, with the lack of talent that they put together. The rushing that I expect to be there and the one thing about Jalen Hurts is while he's a terrible NFL quarterback, it makes him a better fantasy quarterback because now he has to lean on his legs even more to move the chains because of inefficiencies as a passer. Love it for fantasy football. I expect big rushing yards out of him. I expect this to be a lack of defense, offensive type of game. We're going to see some fireworks. Jalen Hurts, my QB too. Chris, what do you think? of
2: um, you guys watched the BFL show on Tuesday. We, I basically was going against the green, and I'm not a big Jalen Hurts fan this week necessarily. I understand the matchup. Everybody's super excited. I think this offense is going to take a little bit to kind of adjust to the new system and the new coaching staff. And I think Jalen Hurts is what his, his back asset is, his legs. Well, I think Atlanta actually has pretty good linebacking crew, particularly team speed on the other side. So I think they're going to have, kind of limit him. I don't think he's going to have a bad game by such the means, but I, I think you're way higher on Jalen Hurts than I am.
1: raining on the parade. Now, we'll we'll see exactly what happens there, but I disagree with you fullheartedly. Uh it doesn't matter what team speed has. There's plenty of teams that had speed towards the end of last year. He still runs all over them anyway one way or another, one of these two teams is going to have to let loose. This is actually going to be kind of, I'm actually going to throw it up here real quick because the over under at 48, I think tells you all need to know two mediocre teams, but that's a high over under for these two teams. I think you're going to see some points scored either way. We'll get back to the betting a little bit later, but, I'm expecting some things to go back and forth between Atlanta, between Philadelphia in that game. Jalen Hurts is going to have to be the vocal point of that. Big on Jalen Hurts, and we probably will talk about him again on the Saturday night show. That's right, the Saturday night show from 930 to 1030 when we talk about our DFS DraftKings lineup cards and our best bets of the weekend on that show. So Make sure you stay tuned for that on social media at show and on YouTube as well. On the flip side, though, I'm not as excited about Matt Ryan, of course, but why would I be? Because Matt Ryan's not a guy who's going to have a ton of upside this season in general. I have him ranked there at QB 21. A lot of these guys are pretty close together. The reason why he comes down to QB 21, he has to prove that he can be a quarterback that has a floor without a Julio Jones. We have to see the new system with an Arthur Smith. And being led by Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, there's a lot of new things in place there. But the biggest thing is that we have to see Matt Ryan actually be a good quarterback without Julio Jones, something he has not proven to be in recent history. And the Eagles, while I have a lot of questions about their secondary, I do believe they have a decent pass rush. And I have a little faith in this Atlanta Falcon offensive line. So this could set up to be a dangerous situation, even though this game is in Atlanta, which should help him out a little bit. But that's why I have a QB 21. And he's just not a guy with general upside, I think, this season to begin with.
2: Yeah, I'm with you 100% on this one. I'm not a big Matt Ryan fan this week. I think it's a terrible matchup for him. Um, I think the Eagles front seven is going to give him all kinds of issues, especially that front four. We've heard nothing but, you know, great things about that front, the defensive line in the offseason right now. They've been basically dominating when there's scrimmage schemes between each other's teams. They're just been, you know, on fire and they have guys that can penetrate, guys can get up field. And Atlanta's, you know, Offensive line is definitely questionable at best. Um, I think that you have a really lot of concerns that Matt Ryan starts getting hit and smacked around. We've seen him kind of fall off. He doesn't have a Julio Jones to kind of fall back on. So I am definitely not a big Matt Ryan fan this week at all.
1: I'll tell you what group has an interesting narrative, and that's the running back group for both of these teams, Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons. On the Philadelphia Eagles side, you have Miles Sanders, who we're all kind of, trying to figure out what is he exactly? Is he a top guy? Is he a guy who's going to be featured? Is he going to get all the passing down work? Will he sniff the goal line? All questions that need to be answered. This is a good matchup. If you drafted Miles Sanders, you probably drafted him in the, I don't know, probably somewhere between the third and the fifth round in your drafts. He's definitely going to be in there at least as an RB2, if not more. Mike Davis, somebody who comes in, I know there's been some late, surge worries about Wayne Gallman which doesn't make much sense to me and Wayne Gallman is there to be a depth piece not really there to rip away for Mike Davis but Mike Davis comes in as a guy who nobody really excited about his ceiling but does have a high floor because of the expected volume and the system that everybody anticipates Arthur Smith to bring at least yes it won't be exactly like the Tennessee Titans but they do expect him to be able to feature the running back which is something he's always been able to do so chris what are your expectations out of a Miles Sanders and a Mike Davis this week
2: yeah I like miles I like Miles Sanders a lot this week. I think he's got an opportunity to have a nice game. um, I talked about the team speed in Atlanta, but one thing they don't do a great job is play physical football. I put his Eagle's offensive line to you know, not as healthy, be able to kind of dominate that line of scrimmage. and I think you're gonna see Miles Sanders have an opportunity to have some nice runs be pretty consistent out there. um I'm not as high on Davis. I do think that he has some decent floor. You're hoping he maybe falls into a touchdown here or there, but I think that you look at the Eagles' defense in general, they were one of the top five defenses versus the rush last year, so they are hard to run the ball against. Um, you can attack them through the air. I don't know how, like I talked about the offensive line, how efficient and well they're going to play, so I do have some concerns that Davis doesn't have you know, a great upside in this game because I think the offensive line is going to kind of hinder his ability to be productive. He's involved in the passing game, which has remained to be seen. That'll make it more interesting to see how much of a floor he actually has.
1: Yeah, look, with Mike Davis, I have him ranked at 20th on the week. It's not a great match because the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way. When Fletcher Cox is healthy, there's a tough team to run on. But it's the overall volume that you're expecting on Mike Davis to get where I don't have that question with Mike Davis like I would with a Miles Sanders, who I've ranked at RB28. I need to see Boston Scott, how involved is he going to be, or even Kenneth Gainwell, who got a little bit more involved as preseason wore on. I have to see if they allow him to be the red zone guy. I have to see this offense in general from the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Sirianni. I mean, there's a lot of questions that we're looking to be answered in a week one matchup here between these two teams and everything they have up in the air. Let's move on, though, to the wide receivers. Devonta Smith. This is somebody who I have ranked very highly this week. I kind of surprised myself with how high I wound up having him ranked. I have him ranked at wide receiver 20. What I am anticipating is volume. I don't, I, don't, I don't. love the efficiency, the completion percentage that comes with a Jalen Hurts to his wide receivers, but I'm not a fan of Jalen Rager. The tight ends will be involved, but this is a secondary to be taken advantage of if Devonta Smith gets moved around, gets motioned, gets featured the way he should be. And I'm kind of expecting it to happen here, at least especially in week one. He can make a real splash here, and I got him ranked at wide receiver 20. Could be a big DFS player for me, too. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, we've seen... If we're going to kind take project anything from Nick Sirianni's offense, we kind of look at the Colts as the model, and you saw T.Y. Hilton basically was their primary weapon they used and the guy they tried to feature in their passing game. I think Devonta Smith's going to be that guy for the Eagles. You basically had, you know, all offseason to prepare for this game and, and game plan for him to be involved. So I do think he's going to be the guy that you definitely want to have for the Eagles. I think when you look at Atlanta's secondary, it's definitely questionable at best. So I like his ability. I loved how he looked in preseason with his ability to get in out of his breaks. I think he's an outstanding route runner. I do have concerns about Jalen Hurts' accuracy, but I do think that DeMonte Smith is a guy that can make get you some easy throws. So maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't you wasn't know, hurt by that as much.
1: Calvin Ridley's is my wide receiver. Three on the week. I don't think we have to say much more than that. This is his year to shine, to be the elite guy, and I think he definitely kicks it off with a strong week one performance. Let's talk about the tight ends, Chris, because there's more to talk about there. With, you have a Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. Ertz not going away, been part of the training camp the whole time, has been getting reportedly been getting targets. What are you looking at out of the Philadelphia Eagle tight end position? What, what are some things you're looking for, and what are you expecting for this week?
2: Yeah, what I'm looking for is to kind of see how involved the Dallas Goddard is in the offense. I expect the Eagles should play a lot of two tight end sets. I want to see who that blocking tight end is going to be for this offense. We kind of saw with the Colts. Usually one guy's job basically is to block. The other guy's job is to run the routes. So I'm interested to see how that kind of unfolds. Will that be Ertz? Will that be Goddard? If Goddard's stuck, you stuck know, in pass protection and staying in more often than not in running routes you're looking for, people are going to be super disappointed because everybody expecting to have a nice breakout year this year. Um Overall, what I expect to see, I think Dallas Goddard's head and shoulders better than Zach Ertz. So I do think that he should be, if you Nick know, he has any kind of brain in his head, we will continue to use Dallas, Dallas Goddard. And I think he has a chance to score a touchdown because that's secondary, especially the safety position at Atlanta has huge turnover. I think you can attack that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gowder comes in as my tight end 15 on the week, but this is a matchup where he would be a sleeper tight end for me. I have no problem playing him. He does have the upside that comes with it. From my understanding is that Gowder has been targeted more than Zach Ertz, although Ertz has been a little bit more involved than people I think anticipated. I think we'll get to see him be the number one tight end. Now the big question is, on the other side of the football... Kyle Pitts. What does Kyle Pitts do against the Philadelphia Eagles? Last year, this was a top matchup. I have him coming at tight end seven for the week. What are you looking for at of Kyle Pitts this week, Chris?
2: I'm in love with Kyle Pitts this week. I have him in on so many DFS lineups. It's ridiculous. Um, I think Kyle Pitts is going to have a huge game. I think that you have every opportunity for him to kind of be utilized in this game. The safeties is where you attack the Eagles at. Anthony Maddox is a complete bum. Um, I don't know how he's even out there. So I think Kyle Pitts is going to be somebody that Arthur Smith's going to have has been working on and figuring out how to utilize, moving all over the formations. You're going to see Hayden Hurst kind of be that second tight end out there a lot of times, but Kyle Pitts is going to be that glorified receiver tight end, and I think he's going to have a huge game versus the Eagles today.
1: It's that the matchup is definitely there. The Eagles are not good against the tight sorry, ends. Like, uh, the Eagles are not good against the tight ends in general, and I they didn't really do anything I felt like to address that situation. Basically, I'm looking for usage out of Pitts. How are they using him? Are they going to let him be in the tight end and let him slip out? Or is he going to be splitting out wide all the time? That's what I'm looking for at of Kyle Pitts. Ultimately, though, outside of Calvin Ridley in a plus matchup, Pitts should be that second targeted guy in this week. That's why he comes in at tight end seven for me. Let's talk about the bets of this game. Pull it up here real quickly. This is minus three in favor of Atlanta. I'm not touching this line. This game could go either way. There's a lot of questions about both of these teams coming into this season. There's not really a lot to go off after last year because of how many changes have been made for both of these organizations. So I'm not touching that. The over-under, though, I tend to lean towards the over on this game. There's a lot of lot of interesting offensive pieces. Not a lot of defense. I think there's a good chance this game gets into the fifties. The over under set at 48 at minus 110. Give me the over on this matchup.
2: Yeah, I mean for me in general, I'm just avoiding this game for betting purposes. I don't disagree. It could definitely go into the fifties, but I also think it could easily be a 24 20 game. Um, so there's a, that's the game that I'm necessarily. I don't really want to touch this game. I think there's too many questions on both sides. You have both offenses kind of revamping themselves with new coaching staffs. So I just don't. This is a game I want to kind of wait and see as I you know the season moves on.
1: All right, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills up next. This is going to be a good NFL game, but I think there's a chance. There's a chance there's some duds on fantasy purposes, and I'm going to kick this off right now with a bustler. <laughs> Josh Allen, while you have to start him because you drafted him, without a doubt, I do not have Josh Allen in the top 10. He is my QB 11 for this week. I think people forget how good this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is. I don't know why, but the Steelers in general have been a team that people have been sleeping on all summer long. Them adding Melvin Ingram makes them very, very dangerous as far as a pass rush go. And while they don't have the greatest secondary in the world, they got enough to double Stephon Diggs. I think this might be a tough matchup for a Buffalo Bills might be a tough matchup for Josh Allen. And ultimately the volume will be there enough. The rushing will be there enough to keep him inside the top 12. And you're not going to bench him because of where you drafted him. He's probably only a quarterback on your roster, but there's a real chance for a bust alert coming in the week one for Josh Allen, given this matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: Yeah. I'm not nearly as on, on Pittsburgh's defense, I think, or scared as Pittsburgh's defense this year. I like the Melvin Ingram move, but I think but but using, Bud, losing Bud Dupree is huge. I don't think he necessarily is an upgrade. I think he's definitely a downgrade. And then losing their south side corner is going to hurt them. We're going to see where is going to kind of be used, be utilized in the slot where he's very effective. One of the better players will be playing the outside. Um, I think the thing that you can do to always historically be able to attack this Pittsburgh defense is spread them out, and you're going to see Buffalo use a lot of four-receiver sets. They were one of the leading teams last year, the second center Arizona last year, using the four-receiver sets. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this game, so I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I don't think they're just going to run the ball at all, but I think Josh Allen definitely has a nice game this game.
1: Well, that that's my point, is that I think the worst thing you can do is make yourself one-dimensional against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's what the Buffalo Bills are going to do from the jump I'm not with you on that. I think Melvin Ingram is, when he's healthy, is a better player than a Bud Dupree. So I'm not in agreement with you as far as the impact of Bud Dupree and losing him and what that what that means. I think the fact they bring in Melvin Ingram makes sure they are going to have a top notch pass rush in this particular game, and I can't think you you can't make yourself one dimensional against this Pittsburgh Steelers uh, defense. So I'm not with you on that at all. Stephon Diggs, I think will be fine. And we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit because just the volume uncannily and the corners are are susceptible. I think he'll be fine. But your wide receiver can have a good game without your quarterback having a good game. I think we might be seeing a bustler here for Josh Allen. On the other side of that, Ben Robsberger, I'll just mention, he's in my low 20s as far as quarterbacks go. Not something I'm looking to stream. Uh, I know star Luda Louis, and I know I'm saying his name wrong, but he's probably not going to play for the Buffalo Bills. Even with that, I don't expect Ben Robsberger to light up the world here going into in Buffalo. And there's a lot. We There's some questions we have to be answered with, with Ben going into week one. You know, where is your elbow at? Are you going to be able to throw the ball down the field more? Where are you at in the new system with Matt Kanata now taking over and want to change some things? A lot of questions there to be answered. Not really in my streaming territory as of right now. You mentioned the Buffalo Bills running backs. I think everybody could kind of guess that they're not really going to be on our radar this particular week, uh, Zach Moss, I have ranked all the way down at 38. Devin Singletary is just outside my top 48. But the running back we do want to talk about is Najee Harris at number 11. I know he's going to get a ton of volume. What do you expect his overall production to be this week?
2: I expect another pretty solid game, but I don't think he's going to let the road on fire necessarily. But Buffalo does try to struggle against the run a little bit. They're not as effective as you can expect them to be. They're built to kind of stop the pass. They like to get downfield. So I think Najee Harris is going to have the volume, like you talked about, he's going to be involved in the passing game. I think you're going to see a game where he has a nice, solid floor. I don't see a whole lot of boom opportunity for him in this game, but I see a game where between all the different touches, you're definitely going to get double-digit fantasy points no matter what league you're playing in.
1: I feel like that's going to be the narrative on Najee Harris every single week. I don't know if that offensive line is in a position to allow Harris to light the league on fire, light the week on fire, no matter who they're playing, but I don't know if there's going to be a safer running back than Najee Harris because of what he's going to be involved in as far as both rushing, passing, one of the few true workhorse backs out there, and he's going to rack up some touchdowns as we go along this thing throughout the season. So while he might not be the guy who lights it up for 150 total yards and two touchdowns in any given week outside of maybe when they play the Bengals off the top of my head, uh, most weeks are going to be like this where I'm just going to expect a high floor where you consistently finish inside the top 12. Nothing wrong with that, and this is not a – tough tough matchup this is not an elite matchup here against the buffalo bills so there's some wiggle room here for a decent game out of him of course you're playing him the wide receivers so we talked about the bills wide receiver talked about how i'm not worried about stefan diggs of course he comes in at wide receiver six for me even if he does get double triple cloud coverage we know josh allen's going to target the crap out of him the guys that i'm a little bit worried about would be the steelers wide receivers because I actually have the top one, Deontay Johnson. I moved him up actually before I, uh, after I made this graphic, he's now at my wide receiver 35. I know on the list here, he's at wide receiver 40. He got moved up just inside of the top wide receiver 36 out of the fear of Sir white shadowing a Deontay Johnson. Now, if he does that, it should open up some opportunities for Chase Claypool, maybe open up some opportunities for Judas Schuster because I do believe you can take advantage of the back end of the Buffalo secondary. So if you're looking for a home run target, I think Claypool could be that guy. I think Schuster is a fine flex play going into this week. But again, this goes back to the question of where's Ben Roethlisberger at? Are you getting these guys the ball anywhere past the line of scrimmage, which you weren't doing a season ago? Lucky Land
0: Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky.
2: Yeah, um, I, I, this is going to be one of the tougher things for the Pittsburgh receivers. I think that the receiver, there's definitely going to be a receiver that does well. Um, you definitely can attack the second and third corners on the Buffalo Bills. Javarius White's the key. Who is he going to be matched up with? There's different reports, different conjecture of what's going to happen. Some people think he's going to be matched up on Claypool and following him. Other people think it's going to be Deontay Johnson. I think whoever kind of draws his coverage is going to be the one you want to avoid. Um, So, you know, you want to kind of listen as we get closer to this game, because I think you're talking about, you know, who will kind of be the matchup. They're leaning saying more than likely it'll probably be Claypool, which makes me think Deontay Johnson has more of the ceiling. I like where you kind of moved him up on your board, like you said. He's not going to go crazy necessarily, but he is, I think, Ben's favorite target. And I think he's the guy who can get in and out of his breaks the best and has the most explosiveness once the ball's in his hands still. So I like him the best. Juju, I think Juju is what he is. I think he's going to be that that Jameson Crowder of the offense. He's going to get you five, seven catches for, you know, 50 to 70 yards. Um, I'm not really excited about him necessarily. But I think Claypool is the guy I'm probably going to avoid playing this week. And I'm really excited for this Pittsburgh offense. I think when you have – we doubt Ben Roethlisberger. That always gives him more motivation. He always plays well usually. And I love the kind of system with him. I think you're going to see a lot of what we saw at the Rams last couple years. You don't necessarily have to have a great offensive line. You can just kind of catch teams by, you know, jet sweep actions, the different angles you can kind of create as a result. And I do think this Pittsburgh offense is going to be more effective than people realize.
1: Yeah, so we'll get to see that. And on the Buffalo side, we'll talk about, you know, like I said, Stefan Diggs is good to go. Outside of that, this is the week where I want to see how are you utilizing a Gabriel Davis? How are you utilizing an Emmanuel Sanders? I still believe Cole Beasley is going to be the odd man left out. We'll get to see that play out as well. But really, I want to see the Sanders get to be the slot guy as Gabriel Davis going to line up on the outside. If that winds up happening, both of those guys might be somebody we'll be talking about on the waiver wire moving forward. Uh, depending on how their usage is going to go. So I'll have my eye on that, but I'm not playing any one of them. And as far as the tight ends, pretty straightforward in this one. Eric Ebron, I believe, is my highest ranked tight end in this game on either side of the ball. I have him at tight end 14. It puts them in the streamer territory. I would think, though, being that you just had your drafts, so you're not looking to stream necessarily week one, should have some better options, and that's going to be another one. we got to see how much, exactly the, how much does Pat Freermuth play to Eric Ebron. He got to play a little bit more in the preseason than maybe I was anticipating he would, Pat Freermuth, that is. But Eric Ebron is still a guy that is a trusted weapon by Ben Robsberger, especially in the red zone. I think he'll be a streamer throughout the season. But like I said, coming into this week, only tight end of note in this matchup. Tight end 14 should have better options than an Eric Ebron. So let's talk about our bet for this game. Bring it up here. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is favored at minus six and a half. Over under set at 48 and a half. My bet, I'm taking the Steelers plus six and a half. I think this is actually going to be a close game. It's I don't think the Buffalo Bills are going to be a touchdown difference between them and the Steelers, even in Buffalo,
2: um, I'm one thousand percent. My bold statement for today is Pittsburgh Steelers will win this game. I definitely think that you well, should. Well, money lines
1: at us. plus two thirty five. If you guys want to hop in on Chris, and honestly, Chris, my mindset is similar to yours when it comes to that. I I would not be shocked at all. The Pittsburgh Steelers came in, and especially after I talk about Josh Allen being a bus candidate, came in and won this game outright. But I love the lock bet of the money line. Go ahead. I love the lock bet of the points. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, I think the lock bet of the points is definitely where you go. I'm just, I feel like you had this chance that you can probably, but everybody seems to be the Bills are going to win this game, run away with it, and I think Pittsburgh is being feel feel disrespected. They're going to have something to prove. I mean, this team started off 12 and 0 last year. People seem to forget that. So I expect this team to come out guns blazing and have a lot to a lot on the line, especially for the Bills and kind of establish where they fall in the AFC hierarchy. So I like the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game.
1: This is what I love about Week One because we have all these questions from the off season and not all the answers are going to come out in week one, by the way, guys, keep that in mind. Not all all the answers don't overreact to anything, but this is another game coming up that we're about to talk about where there's a lot of questions that we're going to be looking for those answers on as the Minnesota Vikings and Cincinnati Bengals. And of course I mean more so on the Bengals, The, the Vikings of all the teams in the NFL, they probably with Tampa Bay have like the least amount of questions in my mind, as far as what to expect out of this team. Dalvin Cook, we know he's a stud against Cincinnati. Yeah, top-notch, good to go. Uh, I'll pull up the graphic real here, real quick. I have him at RB5. He could easily be RB1 coming into this week. There's no doubt about that. So we don't have to worry about Dalvin Cook. We know he's got a huge ceiling coming into this game. Same thing with Justin Jefferson. Same thing with Adam Thielen. They're all plays this week. Kirk Cousins, we can even talk about a little bit. He comes up into my QB 15, generally speaking, that would be streaming range territory again, because it's week one. I don't know how much you're looking to stream, but this is a matchup where maybe look to play him in DFS as a contrarian play. He's got value in that sense. All of my questions that I'm going to be looking for answers on are on the Cincinnati Bengals side. And what do we expect there? Joe Burrow, how are you going to look on that knee? How are we going to break down the wide receivers? How's everyone going to get utilized? Joe Mixon, how much are we going to lean on him as a result of all this? Burrow, I have coming in this game at QB 20. I'm a little bit worried about the pass rush. The Minnesota Vikings are going to be able to put together with that very, very shabby offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals with a quarterback who may not be the most confident right now in what he's able to do in stepping up into the pocket. Chris, what are you looking for out of Joe Burrow in this game?
2: Yeah, I'm going to add a caveat to what you're talking about. I'm very curious about this offense, but also because of the Vikings' defense. I have no idea what's expected of those Vikings' defense. It should have got better, according to paper, but we saw this defense really be poor last year, and one of the worst defenses. You could throw on them, you could run on them, you could do anything you wanted to burst them. So I am really curious to see how they kind of react and how they kind of play, especially Patrick Peterson at the corner position. Does he have anything left? Will he kind of rejuvenate himself? Or will he be Xavier Rhodes last year in Minnesota where he was getting torched left and right? So I I have a lot of questions when the Vikings defense, which I think is going to allow Cincinnati to kind of have opportunity to kind of get their feet wet. I'm with you, Joe Burrow, Thing is the biggest question I have. I want to see is he going to be able how, you know, confident is he in stepping into the pocket? How confident is he being able to move around when he needs to? Particularly this narrative coming out that he really worked on his arm strength this offseason to try to improve his ability to throw down the ball down the field. because This guy was worst with 20-yard passes and over 20-yard passes last year in the NFL. So there's a lot of pressure with, a, you know, the Higgins, and Jamar Chase to be able to push the ball down the field. And you talk about this offense line's kind of you know, definitely questionable at best. It's going to be interesting to see do they kind of do they, they match what they want to do versus what they actually have on the field. I think they want to be able to push the ball, and they want to be aggressive, and I think you can tag the Vikings that way, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to have the time to do so, and Joe Burr is going to have the confidence to do so. So the guys I think that have the most benefit in this game is going to be Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd's going to be a security blanket, and he probably has the most upside in sense because I think he's going to be a guy that he's just basically getting peppered with targets because they're going to read the ball early, I think.
1: Yeah, look. I'm not as worried about the Vikings defense because they have a healthy Anthony Barr, they have a healthy Daniel Hunter, and they have a a healthy Harrison Smith, and that alone should dictate what the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be able to do or have a hard time with. I have the Vikings defense ranked at 10th, big time on them, a big time on them when it comes to DFS as well. This is a nice little week to plug and play them. Joe Mixon is going to be the key, I believe, for the Bengals. Are you going to be able to lean on him to take some of the pressure off of a Joe Burrow? And also, you know, what are we going to expect out of him behind what we know is going to be an offensive line that ultimately may make his yards per carry inefficient, but because Joe Mixon no longer has Genoa Bernard that he has to contend with, is actually in a situation to be, again, one of those few workhorse backs. And we know, we know he has elite caliber talent. We know he's a top-end player. The Vikings weren't great against the run, but again, that wasn't the Vikings defense we saw last year. So we can't really go off of that, but I do have his RB10 for the week. There is definitely a solid floor that comes with the volume. How much upside does Mixon have? What are you looking for out of a Joe Mixon coming off of the season where he missed half the year due to injury?
2: I don't know how much upside he necessarily has in this game. I do think he has a hell of a floor because I think you're going to see him get the ball regardless. They're going to make an effort to run the ball, and of course I think we're going to see him targeted. So I think that he's like to about Najee Harris a little bit earlier. The question off the line, that, that volume is going to basically make sure you're fine. The upside is going to depend on... How does he kind of burst into that second tier, or second sort of second line defense? Is he have that burst? Is he have that ability to kind of have a big play? Because I think that's going to be key. The passing game is going to be really interesting to me because I think he has an ability to kind of make guys miss when he catches the ball. So if they figure out to like, kind of get him in space, you might see him have a nice game as a result of that because I think when he's going to be utilized in the passing game, he's not going to be the guy catching four-yard passes. He's going to make be able to get the ball probably you know first downs, 10 yards, 15, 17 yards. He's got like, can kind of make you miss once he gets the hit ball in his hands. So I'm really excited to kind of see how he's utilized in the passing game. And I think that's going to determine how, how much of a ceiling he has in this game.
1: And that's going to determine how much of a ceiling he has most weeks, too. But against Minnesota Vikings in particular, it's not a matchup that scares me, but it's not one I'm salivating over either. The wide receivers are the other big question that needs to be answered when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. And I do have T. Higgins inside the top 24. He's my top-ranked Bengals wide receiver heading into this week. Is Patrick Peterson anything you're afraid about when you talk about wide receivers anymore?
2: No. I mean, so like I said, I'm more curious to see is he going to be Xavier Rhodes bad or is he going to be a solid guy out there? But I don't think he's a game changer any longer, particularly versus fast guys. Um, I think this is definitely a guy you could take advantage and beat down the field now.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. We still have to figure out you know, how much of it is PEDs and at this point in his career. How much is he able to do? Now, we do know Mike Zimmer has a history of being able to get the most out of veteran corners in his system because he doesn't ask him to do too much. He's not going to shadow He's going to be able to play within a cover three type of scheme. It doesn't put too much pressure on him. But the point is that whatever one, wide receiver one you have, Patrick Peterson is no longer a corner you look at and go, ooh, I don't know how much of a good game I'm going to get out of you. So that's why I'm good with T. Higgins, because I think he's going to be the guy who gets leaned on, especially down the field at most in this game. I do expect the Cincinnati Bengals to have to come back from behind in garbage time. Tyler Boyd is my wide receiver 36. Jamar Chase is my wide receiver 48 is my wide receiver 48. I wouldn't play chase this week. If you could help it, we got to see him get off the line. We got to see him not drop the ball. We got to see if he still has the yips or has he gotten over that mental hurdle. Now, reportedly the last couple of weeks training camp have gone a little bit better for him, but there's still, there's still going to be some concerns. Still need to see it actually on the field. Tyler Boyd. He's not a sexy wide receiver three. He's not a fun wide receiver three. But he is a wide receiver three because I expect him to be that safety blanket throughout this game, especially when we talk about half point PPR leagues, which is what we base these rankings off of. He should just have a solid floor in this matchup. What's your take on the wide receivers?
2: Yeah, like I kind of commented before, I think Taylor Boyd's the guy I'm looking for to get out of all these all three of them. I think Higgins and Chase have the opportunity to have bigger games because they can get you beat you downfield. But I think Boyd's a safe guy to go with because I think he's going to be heavily involved. Like I said, I think Joe Burrow is going to get rid of the ball faster and try to get you know, maybe one, two maybe three steps and just get rid of the ball. And So I think the slight guy is the guy who's going to really be featured the most, and I think that's going to be Tyler Boyd. So I like his floor. I think he has decent ceiling because I think we saw him really have good games when Joe Burrow was healthy last year. People kind of forget how Tyler Boyd started off the season and how effective he really was with Joe Burrow. So I think that's going to kind of continue, and I think that's something I, I would probably be leaning the most on other three receivers.
1: Let's talk about the bets in this game. Minnesota Vikings are favored on the road with minus three. Over under set at 47 and a half. I am hammering the Vikings minus three in this game. The odds aren't as great. It's minus 125. I don't care. That is one of the lock bets of the week for me.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think the Vikings are going to win this game big. I think I would definitely go over. It's not a great payout like you kind of commented, but that's the one I would take advantage of.
1: It's one that I would look to parlay. We'll talk about more about parlays on the Saturday Night Show here on social media. But first, we're going to take a quick break and get a word in from our sponsor. We'll come back on the other side. we still got a lot more early Sunday games to talk about. So stay tuned here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
2: Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless, unless we swap first round picks.
1: Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league. With the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today.
0: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
1: Heyo, we're back. On the MD's Fantasy Football Show, as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, Joined here with Chris Dauhauer talking about Week 1 matchups here on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show and on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Feel free to comment throughout the show. We are live. So we'll try to get to your comments along with the mailbag segment we'll have at the end for you guys today. But we're moving forward in our matchup analysis, talking about our bets, talking about the fantasy football player values, and our next game we are going to talk about San Francisco 49ers Detroit Lions. The short answer on the 49ers is start everyone <laughs> Just start everyone. Detroit is going to be right there with Cincinnati and Houston and uh, Jacksonville and a number of other teams are going to be amongst the worst defenses in the NFL from both passing the football and rushing the football. I love Raheem Ossert this week. Even Trey Sermon I think actually legitimately could be a flex play if if you needed to go down that far. I don't think you would need to, but even he would probably be a flex play in this one. I have Raheem Ossert ranked at RB13 this week, one of my favorite DFS plays. We know that he can take 12 touches and turn into 125 yards or two touchdowns because of what he can do, and this is the perfect matchup for something like that to happen. George Kittle play him, Brandon Ayuk play him, Debo Samuels, a wide receiver three in this game. The only other thing would be Jimmy Garoppolo. If you were somebody who waited until, you know, the last round to take quarterbacks, you're going to stream anyway. This is a week that you could possibly stream Jimmy Garoppolo, have him at QB 14. I think there's other options though, like James Winston, Carson Wentz, who I've ranked ahead of him that probably are available in your waiver wire that have a little more upside given those games should be a little bit more back and forth because I expect this to be a one-sided affair here with San Francisco. Is there anything on San Francisco, Chris, that you want to say real quick?
2: No, I think the only thing that hinders this offense possibly is the pace of the game. Both teams are going to try to establish their run, so if that clock's moving it's the only thing you have holding you hold me back from getting lots and lots of points on the Texas side.
1: Yeah, 100% agree with you there and then on the flip side, you go to the Detroit Lions there's only two players that I'm willing to play this week. That would be DeAndre Swift and of course TJ Hawkinson and this is not a great matchup for either one of these guys. 49ers, when their linebackers and safeties are healthy, they're very tough against the tight end and then DeAndre Swift, as you see here, I haven't ranked it RB21. Now you're still starting him, still have him as an RB2 because he's going to catch the ball. He's going to be involved in every facet of the game, even with Jamal Williams having probably a significant share. But again, to your point, the Detroit Lions are going to have to establish the run. We know this is where their offense is going to start. And if the 49ers do get up big, Swift's game-breaking ability ensures that he'll be playing ahead of Jamal Williams when they need to come back from behind. So he has a floor going into this matchup. Just don't expect a high ceiling with a healthy San Francisco team and a Detroit offensive line that, while I think will be good eventually, is still trying to find cohesion.
2: Yeah, this, I'm not big on Detroit and really anybody versus the 49ers defense. This is a poor matchup for most of the players. I think Swift, like you said, is probably the only guy you really have any confidence kind of having in your lineup this week. Uh, Hawkinson you know, should get the volume you're expecting him to. But you know the 49ers are were prepared for that as well. And you got Fred Warner on the other side, he's a pretty good cover, you know, linebacker. So I do think that the 49ers defense is kind of matched up well against this offense. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of pressure from the 49ers front four. Bose is coming back hopefully healthy. I think you're going to see D. Ford kind of be more involved in the pass rush as well. So I kind of have concerns about the Detroit offense in general. I think when the receivers can have a nice game, I can tell you who that's going to be because I really have no idea if the receivers are going to kind of unfold. Um, I think you can attack the 49ers secondary, but I think basically you you just have to kind of wait Detroit to see how their offense is going to look for you.
1: Yeah, this is the one team I don't know if they can attack the secondary because it's going to be Tyrell Williams, it's going to be St. Brown. That'll be something we'll be looking to see for future reference as far as what their use is going to be, how that's going to play out, which one of them has value, because somebody I do believe will have value at some point this season. It just remains to be see which one it's going to be. I'll mention TJ Hawkinson, if you saw it on the graphic, my tight end 17. I did move him up the tight end 16, one spot since we did that graphic. Make sure you go ahead and check out Billy at Sports.com where I'll have my rankings. I'll be updating it all throughout the week on there. If you drafted TJ Hawkins as to a top five tight end, which most people did, you still, I think you still need to play him. I don't know if you're going to bench him for anybody unless you happen to have a decent option, but just expect this week he is a bust-alarm <laughs> Let's talk about the betting on this game. I'm actually really excited to bet on this game because I thought the line was very, 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 very favorable. Uh, 49ers minus seven and a half. If there was a team this week that was a two-score team written all over it as far as winning this game, I don't know who else would be besides San Francisco, so I'm hammering. And it's minus 105, so it's decent odds, too, because they're on the road. I'm hammering the 49ers minus 7.5 in this bo- football game.
2: Yeah, I think logic tells you the 49ers should win this team, this game big. I think that their offense is, you know, is a, a terrible matchup for Detroit Lions defense. I think that we look from the other side of the ball, you see the defense is going to have a great ability to get pressure on Jared Goff. You still see that offense kind of adjusting and learning what they kind of can do. So I think the 49ers should definitely be favored by double digits. I'd probably bet on that. If this is the one game they going kind to of give Jimmy G um, basically get him benched, because we've talked about this all offseason, if they were to lose this game or this game is close, this is the game that basically could screw him the rest of the season, in my opinion they have to win big in this game for the 49ers to be what I think they're going to be this year. And I think this is that if they play that they can, then they should they should be able to at least win by double digits, if not two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, that's 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 an excellent point there, Jimmy G, as well. Really a kind of a statement game in a weird way already in week one. Let's move on to Arizona and Tennessee. Now, this is a game where I expect high scoring, little defense. I know both teams have made improvements on defense on paper but I don't know if they're going to be quite ready to go with these offensive attacks. Let's talk about the quarterbacks to start off with. we got Ryan Tannehill, Kyler Murray, two exciting quarterbacks coming into this season. Kyler Murray has my fifth, and I have Ryan Tannehill as my sixth quarterback. So that's how neck and neck I have those two guys. What are you expecting out of a Kyler Murray and a Ryan Tannehill this week?
2: I actually probably have those flip-flops. I have Tannehill, I think, like a little bit more than Kyler Murray. I think if Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are both healthy, you're going to see Ryan Tannehill have a hell of a game this game. We know the Arizona Cardinals like to have a pace game. We look at the Tennessee Titans. They match up so well versus Arizona defense, particularly at secondary. It's just going to be atrocious. So I think that when you have looked upside, I love running upside. Murray is going to be really interesting to me. Is he going to use his legs? he's going to run around and scramble, I think that's how you can attack Tennessee. If he's going to try to be this guy who's going to be a pocket quote-unquote quarterback, which he could try to show in the first week, then I would have a little bit of concern that maybe he doesn't have the game we expect him to versus defense. There has been some improvements in Tennessee's defense. I like the Bud Dupree signing. I like them getting their draft pick Farley. I think their corners and adding Jenkins was a, a huge move when replacing basically you know scrubs that they had last year, Malcolm Butler. Who's on Arizona, by the way. Um, so I do think that it's going to be interesting kind of to see this offense match up. I love, I'm really the guy I'm most curious about in this game is I want to see A.J. Green. I've heard so many things this summer about how good A.J. Green. And after last year, I was, you know, terrified that his career was over. I just want to see, does this guy really have anything left and how does this look? If he comes out this week and shows me A.J. Green, I'll be super excited.
1: Yeah, and we do know Arizona seems to have the fountain of youth at times when it comes to that. So maybe we'll see something out of A.J. Green. But talking about the wide receivers and talking about some of the news, uh, A.J. Brown, while he did not practice Wednesday, this is going to be his schedule for the season. It was the schedule last year. He's not going to practice Wednesdays. But he's said to come back on Thursdays. He's going to come back on Fridays. He's already expected to be fine. Julio Jones is off the injury report. He's expected to be 100% ready to go for Sunday as well. So that's the news as far as the Tennessee wide receivers are. A.J. Brown... My number one wide receiver on the board this week. Number one for this week against Arizona. All those corners you just mentioned, nobody can stick with an A.J. Brown. I do expect it to be a high-scoring team. I think there's going to be a statement game made from this Tennessee offense, starting with him. And then Julio Jones, I have coming in my top 36 wide receivers at wide receiver 31 that's going to be the only question. What exactly is the target share going to be between the two? I know everyone's wants to just assume that he's, Oh, well, he's going to take Corey Davis's targets. Yes. But I also think it's gonna be a little bit different than what it was with a Corey Davis last season. Is this is going to be a true 50, 50, 50 split is Julio Jones still trying to get chemistry worked out because he didn't get to practice a lot throughout the training camp. What kind of football shape is he in? There's some questions to be answered there. I still like him in your lineups as a, like I said, as a wide receiver, three wide receiver, 31, but that's what I'm going to be having my eye on as far as Julio and AJ go. But I expect AJ to have a huge game here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think the only thing that stops AJ Brown from having that receiver one production that you're talking about will could be Julio Jones. I I almost guarantee Julio Jones scores a touchdown this game. I think it's a, I think you can write it down in the book. I think it's almost a guarantee. Now, how much yardage he gets, I'm really curious. But I think he's going to be a statement game for Julio, and then you're going to see them use him. I think you're going to be excited by how he's kind of utilizing his offense because. Let's be real. He's so much better than Corey Davis. It's not funny. So Corey Davis role could be even could be just fine for Julio because he doesn't need a whole lot of volume to make big plays. This guy is one of the better playmakers in the NFL still. I mean, he's basically a stallion out there. So if he's healthy, I think he's going to have a a huge day. And I think you're going to see Ryan Tannehill be be the beneficiary of both those guys being out there for him.
1: Remember Julio Jones, seven games played last year, 700 yards receiving. I'd say as long as he's healthy, he's still got it. Uh, You mentioned some of the Cardinals wide receivers. We're looking for the role of a Moore. We're looking for the role Christian Kirk. We're looking to see if AJ Brown has anything left in the tank. Ultimately not playing any of those guys until we get some more clarity on that situation. Not in this matchup, but DeAndre Hopkins, of course, are playing him coming as my wide receiver for this week. Do love his matchup for him. Uh, Let's get to the running backs. Derek Henry. You know, he's a stud. We know that. There's no question there. You're playing him against Arizona, especially one of the worst run defenses a season ago. He is my number one running back for this week because of what I expect him to be able to do against this Arizona defense. The bigger question comes into Chase Edmonds, James Conner. We're finally going to get that question answered as far as what is your roles? Is James Conner the first and second down back? Is he the goal line guy and Chase Edmonds just the pass catching guy? Or are they going to allow them to split carries with Chase Edmonds being the pass catching guy. I choose the latter where they're going to split carries and Chase Edmonds is going to also be the guy who catches the passes on top of it, which is why he comes into my RB18 this week.
2: Yeah, I, I think Chase is the guy that I prefer to have as well. Um, the only question for me, more so, not so just what I split in touches or series, is who's going to get the red zone carries? Is it going to be only Connor? does Chase Edmonds have an opportunity to still be utilized in the red zone? Because if he is, I think he's got a great floor and a good ceiling in this game. But if he's not, that's going to be some concerns where you're going to have to note that from moving forward that James Conner be turn some of those yards or some of those points, I should say, fantasy-wise. But overall, I'm with you. I think Chase Edmonds is the guy to own. I think he's got a good matchup. You can attack his linebacker core, especially in the passing game with your running back position. So I think Chase Edmonds would have a nice, solid game this week.
1: Yeah, I have James Conner as like an RB4 in a number of leagues that I'm in because I'm just waiting and seeing. If he gets the Kenyon Drake role, which is still in the cards, then he's going to be a non-sexy, exciting, probably RB3 play on a week-to-week kind of basis. So we're still got to see how this thing plays out, but Chase M is definitely the guy that I'm more excited about I think the more explosive guy, I think the guy they should lean on a little bit more. But we'll see exactly what Cliff Kingsbury gets to do. This will be a good game to answer that question because Tennessee's not great against the run. I think there'll be a lot of points scored. So this will give us more of an idea of if the offense is rolling the way they want it to, who's actually going to be in there and playing. And that should give us a better idea moving forward. But I'm with you. I like Edmonds a lot uh, in this game, especially as a flex play. But even to have him in the RB2 range in this particular matchup. I'll just make a quick note of the Tennessee tight ends because a lot of people are looking in that position as a potential streamer throughout the season. I do have Anthony Fergster ranked ahead of G Swam. As of now, even though Swam is expected to be the starting tight end, I expect Swam to be more of the blocking tight end. I expect Fergster to be more of the red zone targeted guy to have more of the fantasy type of points. Don't play anybody this week. But this is a situation where I think Ferkshire has an opportunity to establish himself as a streamer somewhere down the road. But just kind of keep your eye on that. I want to jump into the betting of this game. And I'm not really big as far as who's going to win, who's going to lose. It's minus three in favor of Tennessee. Uh, I'm more interested in the over-under at 52. I'm on the over.
2: Yeah, for me, the one is I'm definitely betting on Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to win this game pretty big. Um, so I would definitely bet the Tennessee would, the win by more than three points. Um, I'm a little more reluctant on the over-under because I'm kind of curious to see how these offenses kind of unfold, how they're a little bit rusty. Um, but I do think they have a chance to definitely go on the over. But I'm definitely going to bet on the Tennessee. Like I said, I think they're clearly the better team between them and Arizona.
1: Let's move to another game that I think could go very one of two ways. I think we, we could either have a shootout in our hands or it might turn into an ugly affair. It really depends on what happens. That's Seattle. An Indianapolis Colts game. It's in Indianapolis. Seattle's on the road. But there's a lot of questions to be answered. How's Carson Wentz look going back to Frank Reich? How's the wide receivers of the Colts? How's the defense of Seattle? How's the new offense of Seattle going to go against a good defense in, in Indianapolis on the road? A lot of this game, I can see it being a shootout or I can see it being a low scoring affair. Really, a lot of ranges as far as this game goes. Let's talk about the fantasy aspect of it. First of all, you're not. Don't get cute. I've some guys have been trying to get cute this week that I've talked to throughout the week. As far as oh, what do I do with Russell Wilson? And if you draft a Russell Wilson, you play him. He's my top ten QB. Ultimately, I think the offense is still going to flow through Russell Wilson and Shane Waldron taking over the plays. I think they have a good system in place to attack this particular type of Colts defense. But I do think it will be a battle. I absolutely think it will be a battle. But you're not benching Russell Wilson. You're not benching the wide receivers. DK Metcalf. Uh, Tyler Lockett, it's a tougher matchup with the corners, no doubt about it, but these are guys you're going to play. Metcalf I have as a wide receiver 9, and then Tyler Lockett I have in my top 36 of wide receivers at wide receiver 25. Two guys you still play. This offense focuses around those two. Anything you have to say about Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, or Tyler Lockett?
2: No, I echo what you say. I mean, I think if you have these guys on your team, you play them. But this is, these aren't guys necessarily going we target targeting DFS or these are guys that I think have right. a lot of upside this week. I think they're going to have, you know, because they their involvement, they're going to have decent floors, and you have to play them because you've redrafted them for. But I think otherwise, these aren't guys that you're necessarily looking for huge games out of. It's a really a bad matchup for the offensive line for Seattle. And defensively, Colts, I think, are going to be one of the better teams in defensive, you know, put things out there this year. So I think that is basically just kind of keep that in mind that you're not looking for huge games out of any three of those guys.
1: The other, the other positions, you're not the overthinking. Chris Carson, Jonathan Taylor this week. Jonathan Taylor is my RB14. Seattle, you can run on. You can. Uh, while I'm worried about Naeem Hines, his involvement, maybe Marlon Mack is the new uh, you know Jordan Wilkins this week, or he gets like eight carries or so, kind of siphon that off. I still expect Jonathan Taylor to have a very solid game in this matchup. You're not overthinking that. Not that I think anybody would in MD Nation anyway. And Chris Carson's inside my top 24 at RB23. He sneakily could be one of those lower-ranked workhorse backs because I expect him to be involved in all three downs. So he just has a safe floor, even though this is going to be a tough matchup against a good, vaunted Colts front. But again, he has a safe floor because he's going to be involved in that passing game. He's going to be the main rusher. This is not a committee in Seattle backfield. So a safe floor there. Everybody you're playing in that instance.
2: Yeah, I echo what you're saying. I think this is very similar to the receivers in Russell Wilson's situation. These guys all have, you know, to play them basically if you have them, but they're not guys I'm looking for have big games necessarily. You can't attack Seattle versus, you know, running the ball with Jonathan Taylor, but I'm seriously concerned without Quentin Nelson on the offensive line, how good this whole offensive line is going to be in general. So I do think it's going to be really interesting to see do they open the holes that you kind of would expect against a Seattle team that has struggled against the run, especially last year.
1: So now we get to the part of this game where there's more questions up in the air as far as what do you do? Carson Wentz, I mentioned him, my QB 13. Even without a T.Y. Hilton, this is a Seattle secondary that you should still be able to take advantage of with the guys like Michael Pittman and guys like Paris Campbell. So Carson Wentz is somebody who's in that top-end QB2 streamer territory for me because of the wide receivers that I have. And Michael Pittman shocks me. shocked me. But I got my wide receiver 13. He's going to be the made Renzo target. I think eight to 10 targets are very much in the realm of possibility plus the top end matchup. So Chris, what do you think about Michael Pittman as my wide receiver 13?
2: Uh, a little rich from my blood. I'm, I talked about it on the BFL. I think Michael Pittman is the guy who's going to maybe expect to have the step up with T.Y. Hilton being out, but I think the game matchup, this is actually a receiver that Seattle can kind of match up decently with. They have bigger corners. They're so able to get more physical. I think the guy they're really going to struggle with is is Campbell. I think Campbell is my guy that I kind of look into close offense to have that kind of nice game. I think he's going to be able to use a lot in the slot. I think his speed's going to be uh, hard for Seattle to kind of match up with. He's actually the guy who I think is going to be the most productive in that passing game at as, as the receiver position.
1: A guy who's going to be a sleeper for me, though, is Paris Campbell. He comes in for me at wide receiver 33. I'm going to be one of my favorite DFS plays. Here's what I like about what's going on. T.Y. Hilton's out. We know for at least first three weeks of the season anyway. And oh, just a little news on Campbell. I know he was limited in practice with an Achilles thing. They said that's been, it's kind of something that's kind of been lingering, but nothing they're worried about as far as this week goes. You expect to be good to go. What I love is that they have Zach Paschal playing the T.Y. Hilton role, or at least playing on the outside, I should say, allowing Paris Campbell to maintain his position as the slot receiver for this ball club, which I think is huge for Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. Carson Wentz was one of the top quarterbacks and targeting slot receiver when Frank Reich was calling the plays for them back in Philadelphia Eagles. We know Campbell has the speed to break away if he gets out in the open territory. I like the matchup here. It's at home. Without T.Y. Hilton, he's going to be leaned on as the guy to make that big play. Paris Campbell is very much a home run threat to me in this matchup and comes inside my top 36 wide receivers.
2: Yeah, and people forget I me mean, before he got hurt last year, the guy had nine targets. He had seven catches that first game. So he was definitely somebody the offense was trying to utilize even with a TY Hilton in their offense. I think they expect him to be kind of that next guy that steps up for a TY. And we talked we talked about Carson Wentz's you know, affinity for the slot position. He loves to throw to the slot receivers. He also likes to throw to deep. And they talked a lot about talking in Indianapolis all offseason about them being able to push the ball down the field finally without Philip Rivers as the quarterback and being able to tack down deep with the Carson Wentz as your quarterback. So I think Paris Campbell always has that floor where you can see me involved in the quick passing game, but also the opportunity to have a big play.
1: As far as tight ends groups go for both of these teams, the Colts. Yeah, don't, don't touch him this week. I am going to be interested to see, is Jared Everett, is he going to be the bona fide starting tight end? Is he going to be in that role? Because I do think he'll be a streamer at some point down the road. Not in this matchup, but down the road later on in the season. So I'm looking for what his usage is. And on the cold side of the ball, I don't think it's going to matter at any point. As long as everyone's healthy, we, they're going to rotate They rotate like they rotate running backs. Frank Reich rotates like he changes underwear. It's It's unfortunate. I would love it for me Mo Ali Cox at some point, but I don't think it's going to happen. So as far as the tight ends go, don't touch them. And as far as the Colts are understand, I don't know if you can take anything out of this game moving forward, either for a potential, you know, sleeper situation. So let's talk about the betting of this game. This is a game I might be staying away from in general, but Chris, let's see what you kind of think here. Going to Seattle is actually a road favorite. So if I'm going to bet anything, it's going to be the Colts plus two and a half, but it's a minus two and a half Seattle at minus 110, over-under 49.5. Again, this is a game where I see a wide range of outcomes going either way. So the only thing that speaks to me is that the Colts being underdogs at home would maybe lean that way. But ultimately, I think I'm just going to stay away from this game in general.
2: Yeah, I am not touching this game. To me, this is a total pick-em game. I, I think either team can easily win. I think I agree with you definitely when it comes to the point scored. It could be a high-scoring game or it could be a really low-scoring game. It could be a really ugly game. I really don't this this is a team that both defenses have kind of improved. You know, Seattle had the you know the best pass rushes in the second half of the season last year. So I think that it kind of matches up poorly for the Indianapolis Colts, particularly with their injuries up on the offensive line and Carson Wentz's propensity of getting hit last year. in you know, leading sack basically the top quarterback who got sacked last year. So I think this game had to get one or two ways. It could be really high scoring or it could be really ugly. So this is a game I'm avoiding with all at all costs like him.
1: So we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side, get the last games of the early afternoon Sunday preview matchups that we're going through. And, of course, we still have the mailbag thing before you guys, so stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be right back after this. One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol, where Wall Street Meet sports gambling in this innovative app. The symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. Well, when they lose, you don't lose money. The value of your team's share is all that matters, and it's easy to use. Just download the symbol app on your Play Store and use the promo code MDSFANTASY for a $10 deposit of at least $10 or more. Join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul, where the sports book edge is put back into your hands as the player. For the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol and again, use the promo code MDS Fantasy for your $10 deposit bonus today.
0: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
1: Welcome back in MD Nation. You are watching or listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show as we're going through our week one previews. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader, joined here with Chris Dauhauer. We're improving all the matchups Thursday night game. We're talking about all the early Sunday afternoon games. We're talking about what bets we want to make or don't want to make and stay away from. We're coming through it, Chris. We're giving everyone the we're edge. Week
2: one NFL football. That's, That's what right. we're talking.
1: Talking about week one, we still have the mailbag segment, but we have a few more games to get to before we do that. Kicking it off with the Chargers and the Washington football team. Bleah. But what I want to say is this first, though. I got another bust alert. I'm talking about Justin Herbert on the bust alert watch. Justin Herbert for me. All the way down my list against this Washington team. All the way down. I am not expecting a good game here out of Justin Herbert at all. I know everyone's excited about him. This is a tough game. They're going on the road to the East Coast. It's not a good matchup. Austin Eckler may be out because of the hamstring issue. He did not practice yesterday. We're still waiting to get more clarification on that situation as far as what to expect, but he may be out. What do you think about Justin Herbert this week?
2: I just got to get some real a quick question. Was Justin Herbert actually below Sam Darnold? Because I didn't see him on the graphic at all. Uh, I have to double check. Now, this
1: graphic is old, so I'm, I'm not 100% sure where I have him right yeah, now. We said all the way afterwards. down. I
2: was like, wow, is he really that far down? Because I didn't see him. And I was like, what, Sam Darnold's on that list? But First of all, I hate Justin Herbert like, any, like you kind of do in a sense. But... He never ever can be really below Sam Darnold, in my opinion, no matter who they're playing. Having think, said that,
1: I think when the Sam Darnold's playing against the Jets with the weapons they have, I think he absolutely can be.
2: My book never. But having said that, I don't disagree. Justin Herbert's Herbert's my twenty-six
1: quarterback. By the way, Wow. so he is yeah. he is below this list.
2: Yeah. So I Bust think. Alert. I'm not, <laughs> Bust alert. Bustler, yes. Um, I, that's definitely a guy I don't disagree with you that I will try to not play if I have opportunity to. Hopefully, if you had drafted to a quarterback, Justin Herbert, you didn't just draft him and maybe have another option, hope, preferably. But I think this is a really poor matchup for him. You know, the Chargers' offense line is being improved, but you still got to see them kind of gel and have some kind of continuity. This is a really bad matchup for the passing game as well. If Austin Eckler is not playing, it's going to get real interesting for him because the only thing he'll basically have is Keenan Allen. Like now, King Allen does have an advantageous matchup. We'll talk about the receivers in a second. But I think it's the only thing he really has going for him because otherwise, there's a lot of things on that Redskins defense to be afraid of for the Chargers offense. Well,
1: that's what I'm worried about. If you don't have an Austin Eckler, automatically not only become one-dimensional, but you also lose your check-down safety blanket against what's going to be one of the top pass-rushing units in the entire NFL on the road. This spells disaster. That's why I'm so low on Justin Herbert. And while hopefully if you're part of MD Nation, you let someone else make that mistake when they were drafting Justin Herbert in the top seven rounds. If you did take him, that is one quarterback that you drafted that high who I would say, go find somebody else for this particular week. I really would, because there's a lot of better options out there, a lot more higher upside. Let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick real quick, just to wrap up the quarterbacks. He comes in for me outside of my top 24 as well. I'm not expecting a big game here. Chargers defense is good. Brandon Staley is good. And the Chargers defense has something that they don't normally have going into this part of the season, which is health. We haven't seen this team be healthy, really. And I love, again, going back to Brandon Staley, I love what he's able to do. His scheme fits his defense really, really well. I think we, instead of seeing a Fitz magic game, we might see a Fitz tragic game to start off week one. I think a lot of interceptions are in his future. That's why he's outside my top 24 this week.
2: Yeah, I don't think this is necessarily a blow up spot for Fitzpatrick. I 100% agree with that. I don't know if I'd be as low just because I think one thing he does well, people kind of forget about, is he scrambles and he does get yards with his legs. I think you're going to see him be able to kind of have a floor as a result of that. He's not going to have 100 yards rushing on any stretch of the means, but he's the guy who can get you 40, 50 yards rushing. I think you're going to see a little bit of RPO action with them this year. Um, so I expect that he has some kind of floor, but I'm with you. This is a bad matchup for him. This isn't a guy who I'm going to be rolling out week one versus that Chargers defense and excited about.
1: So let's get back to the Austin Eckler news. What happens then if he, is, if he is in fact out? Now, as it stands right now, I have him ranked as if he's going to play. We're waiting to see on that. I'll keep my rankings updated on bellyoffantasysports.com. You can go ahead and check out the website there uh, whenever you need to. I have not ranked at RB27 coming into the game. We'll see if he goes down further down my list. If he doesn't play, the RB2 as of right now is Justin Jackson. Expect Joshua Kelly to get involved, maybe to a lesser degree, a Larry Roundtree. Justin Jackson, though, he would come into my probably would come into my top thirty-six as far as running backs go if he's going to be the guy heading into this matchup. Chris, what do you think about the Chargers backfield if Austin Eckler does not play?
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think Justin Jackson could be the flex discussion for people. I think he is probably has the most upside in that backfield. Um, there's a lot of talk during the offseason about how these guys are going to be kind of utilized, and basically Roundtree and Kelly are going to be those grinder guys that get you the third and ones, and maybe get you a red zone touchdown. So maybe they could fall into something for you. But overall, Jackson's been a more explosive player. He's been a better pass protector. He's been more involved in the passing game, so he has more of that chance to kind of play the Austin awesome Eckler role and then be a more effective. So I don't think he has huge upside in this game necessarily, but I think he has to be a solid flex play.
1: Now, the one thing, we'll have to see exactly what is able to bring to the table, but the one thing you were able to do on the Chargers very, very well last season was run the football. Antonio Gibson comes in as my RB7 on the week. The big thing we're going to be asking ourselves, is he going to get, truly, the McCaffrey role? That's finally a question that we're going to look for answers in in week one. Is J.D. McKissick going to be involved? J.D. McKissick actually coming inside my top, just inside my top 48 and half-point PPR leagues. This particular week. We did see him still stay involved in the passing downs throughout preseason, but then they would always hype up Antonio Gibson taking over that role and being more of a workhorse back. So Chris, what are you expecting to see out of Antonio Gibson this week?
2: I think this is a huge, huge implication of how he's going to be utilized this year. Um, I think that people kind of forgot that Bob Gibson was very solid productive production wise last year. This guy never had more than fifteen carries in the game the entire season. So you have to kind of see, can he handle the volume because he wasn't really involved a lot in the passing game, and will he get that volume? I don't think he'll ever have the Christian McCaffrey quote-unquote role. I think Christian McCaffrey is unquestionably a guy who's going to play like 90% of the snaps. I think Gibson's going to always kind of concede some of the snaps to McKissick. I think you might see a little bit of Jarrett Harrison thrown in there just for kind of shits and giggles once in a while. But I think overall, I think you're going to see Gibson, you know, will really his utilization be more effective? If now it's going to be, does he get 20 touches, or does that mean to still he gets the 15 to 16 touches?
1: Well, that's the mark right there. 20 touches. That's what I'm looking for, Antonio Gibson. I'm looking for 20 touches to dictate, is he going to be an RB1 this season or not? And I do think that's the question that will get answered within week one. I think we'll have a good idea after that. Let's talk about the wide receivers of this matchup. Keenan Allen is definitely a guy who's going to get targeted a ton. He's my wide receiver, 19 on the week in half-point PPR leagues. He probably has a save of a floor of any wide receiver out there especially if Austin Eckler's not going to play. That means, you know, we know what that means. I mean, Keenan Allen might get 15 targets in this game, potentially, if that winds up being the case. What do you think about Keenan Allen this week against Washington?
2: Yeah, and he's also the guy who's been playing in the slot where it's where you attack Washington. Their outside corners are pretty good, Um, and it's something you kind of struggle with. Teams have kind of struggled in the last year as well with, but you can definitely attack their slot receivers, and Keenan Allen's where he predominantly is. You know, he's Josh Herbert's favorite target by far, so I expect him to have a huge game. Um, touchdowns is always where you kind of, kind of question, will he be able to score touchdowns for you? Cause he kind of struggled with that, but you PPR will, he's a, he's going to be a great play. And I think he's going to have a really solid floor even standard leagues.
1: Yeah. I'm not looking to play any of the other Chargers wide receivers. I want to see what Mike Williams is doing. Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer. These are all guys. I want to see how their rotations get mixed in. Is Herbert looking for guys outside of Keenan Allen? Jared Cook is a streaming tight end for me. In that territory, but you should have better options, especially in this match against Washington as well. And then we go back to the Washington side of the ball. Curtis Samuel not practicing today. We just got news about that. I don't think he's going to play this week. That should mean all board Terry McLaurin train because there's, again, kind of similar to the Chargers, not going to be much else to throw to. And while the Chargers have a Good. This is a tougher matchup. The volume will keep him there as such, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we know will let it fly. Terry McLaurin coming as my wide receiver 15 on the week.
2: Yeah, and we saw Chris Harris not be the same kind of corner, especially when he plays on the outside. So I think Terry McLaurin stuff a guy that you're locked and loaded in your lineup. The only sleeper possibilities on the Redskins side, maybe you see Naomi Brown. He's, there's nothing great reports out about him playing. He's being very productive down the field. We know if Fitz likes to throw it down there once in a while and take some shots. And then you have you know the rumor about Adam Humphreys basically being his favorite target in practice and in preseason. So Adam Humphreys might have some sneaky value there, especially in DFS leagues. Adam Humphreys, unbelievable.
1: Let's talk about the betting on this game.
2: No, Danny Amendola back on, in the NFL is unbelievable. We're going to get but to that uh, in
1: a second because that's going to be the next game we're going to preview. <laughs> the, don't, don't worry, we're going to get there. Uh, this game is a pick-em game. I'm not betting it either way. I'm not betting the over-under. I'm completely staying away from this game. The over-under is at 44 and a half, by the way. Chris, anything here that you would want to bet on touch?
2: No, I think you're basically seeing two mirror teams versus each other, so I think this is exactly a game you stay yeah. away from.
1: Usually a game that you don't want to take a part of. Now let's talk about the Jets and Carolina, as you pointed out. I had Sam Darnold ranked ahead of Justin Herbert. Still not in streaming territory, by the way, so we can skip that part. Uh, going as the Jets... Zach Wilson is somebody who would be kind of close to my streaming territory for me as he comes into QB 18. Again, you should have better options than that, though. Most of the storyline goes to the skill set players. On the Jets side, what does this running back rotation wind up actually being? Are you going to be, you know, we're going to see Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, then Michael Carter. Does Michael Carter use this as an opportunity moving forward to show that he is the best player? I think he could. But ultimately, as far as this week matchup is concerned, I'm not playing a Jets running back at all. The only Jets player I'm even contemplating playing would be Corey Davis, quite frankly. Uh, Good match against Carolina. They've been terrible against the wide receivers. We've seen Corey Davis get targeted a lot. Of course, part of that had to do with Elijah Moore being banged up. But Corey Davis, James Crowder might be out of this game with the COVID-19 situation he's dealing with. Corey Davis comes in, my wide receiver 47. Could have more upside than that. But I do think he's in the flex conversation, and that's the only just player who I really want to play this week.
2: See, to me, if Crowder doesn't play, I love Elijah Moore this week. I think he's got a boom game and a capability. And I think Corey Davis is going to see a lot of J.C. Horn. I think if everything you're talking about, J.C. Horn is me following Corey Davis around primarily. So I do have a little bit of fear. of I mean, on his rookie corner, but he's a really good rookie corner. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how that unfold, and I think Elijah Moore is the guy who has a great matchup, has the potential to have a huge game, especially he's being utilized in the slot position. And I think Zach Wilson is a sneaky play this week. I think he's going to have a nice game. We've all have talked about off season how people forgot he uses his legs. I think this game in Carolina it matches up really well for him to kind of shine.
1: Uh, CMC, we know he's he's top RB. Nothing to talk about there. Let's talk about the wide receivers of Carolina though. I like him. Of course, it's a plus matchup. Definitely like him in the in a plus matchup here. But we still gotta see Sam Darnold with these wide receivers. We still have to see how everything's gonna break down. Is Robbie Anderson gonna have the role he had a season ago? Is DJ Moore going to take up that role more so? Is Terrace Marshall gonna get involved right away? Ultimately, I have DJ Moore at wide receiver thirty, Robbie Anderson at wide receiver thirty-five. Both wide receiver threes for me. More flex plays than they are top end plays. Uh, where are you at on those two, Chris?
2: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think you have him ranked pretty good from my book. The guy that I might have a little bit more of an upside for would be D.J. Moore. Um, I, From what I understand, with Terrence Marshall being primarily the slot receiver, you're going to see D.J. Moore kind of return to being more used underneath and seeing him kind of run more routes as accordingly um, and be able to kind of use his rack ability. And so I think that's something that you're going to kind of, you know, if you a guy you want to necessarily target, I know everybody thinks, well, Sam Darnold Robbie Anderson have a great connection. We talked about this that nauseam one off season. That's all BS. It's not real. Didn't happen. So people, I don't know why you guys don't remember that. Robbie Anderson basically got ignored by Sam Darnold to the very end of the season. So I don't expect that just because they have that connection is going to all of a sudden be that he's going to be the guy. I think DJ Moore is the guy that you kind of look for. But I'm with you. I think these guys are basically our receiver threes, maybe flex options.
1: Talk about anything you want to bet on in this game, I'm probably going to stay away from this matchup myself. If I was going to bet on anything, it would be Carolina minus five. I do think they could beat the Jets by a touchdown in this ball game. That's at minus 115. Other than that, I'm not really interested in anything else. How about you?
2: Payout's not wonderful, but I would bet on the Jets in the game. I, I think this is another upset game. I think the Jets are going to be the team that pulls it out. Yeah, I have no faith disagree. in Sam Darnold.
1: Completely. So you're, uh, I hate Sam Darnold as much as anybody, but you're on a whole other stratosphere. It's we'll, still the we'll Jets. See. It's we'll still suggests the end of the day. But let's talk yeah. about that game where we know it's really ridiculous. Jacksonville, Houston signing in Danny Amendola. Why is Houston bothering? Why bother? Why are you signing all these veteran players and yet trading away guys like Bradley Roby? You want to go 0 17. Why bother?
2: I'm why cut Couté? That's where I'm just <laughs> totally lost. Like you have a younger guy. Now, granted, he can still have, you know, they can use some seasoning and get better as a player and he has some injury concerns. But Dami Amadola is going to be your starting slot receiver. You just traded for Anthony Miller. I have no idea what this team is trying to do. I, I look at David Coley and I'm just befuddled by him as a coach. I'm befuddled by the GM. I think this team is just basically not only trying to tank, they're just trying to sabotage their future. Because what's the purpose of playing an old man that's a slot receiver? Who's that going to benefit? So I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just hope Brandon Cooks gets traded by midseason. That's all.
1: And speaking of Brandon Cooks, as the only Houston Texan that I have any interest in playing this week uh, at the wide receiver position, he is my wide receiver 16 in this plus matchup. I expect Houston to have to come back from behind, even, yes, against Jacksonville. So Brandon Cooks should get plenty of targets in this game amongst the dysfunction. And that's the only Houston Texan who should be in your lineup. So on Jacksonville's side, it gets a little more interesting there. I do have Trevor Lawrence in my side, my top 10 this particular week uh, at QB9. Funny enough, that's where I had him ranked for the season going into it anyway. You love the matchup against Houston. They can't really put much of a pass rush on them. They traded away their only half-decent corner this past week. He gets DJ Chark back healthy. Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. You still have James Robinson. So this is the one game we don't worry about the Jacksonville offensive line. Trevor Lawrence, to me, top 10 potential.
2: Yeah, possibly. I, I think this game's not going to be a high-scoring game in, uh, in general. I think that this game is a game I'm trying to avoid. I don't necessarily – I like other people more than Lawrence this week, but I don't think he's necessarily a guy you don't play because I do think if you're going to have him on your line, he's one of the better teams to play against, of course. Um, I was going to say that for Tyrod Taylor. If you're going to play Tyrod Taylor, this is the game to play him. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> because it, it says it's never going to ever play him anywhere else. But, yeah, I am I think that the receivers have a nice floor. I'm big on Chenault this week but I think that for me, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that you definitely could play this week, but isn't a guy I have a huge upside on.
1: Yeah, uh, James Robinson coming in my RB6 on the week. I do fully, strongly feel like he's going to finish inside the top 10. Houston's terrible against the run. That should be no different this year, and we know he should get a significant workload. Even if Carlos Hyde does get mixed in, I expect Robinson to get a significant workload against a great matchup in Houston here. So I'm big on James Robinson as far as being in the top 10. Anything different you feel about in that case
2: no, I think if you're Jay Robinson, you play him. I don't necessarily have him as ranked as high as you I don't think he's – I think Urban Myers and the coaching staff just don't like this guy for some reason. Um, and I think that a lot of his floor came last year from being involved in the passing game, and I question if that's going to be the involvement he's going to have this year. He's but still going to be more of.
1: involved than Carlos Hyde is.
2: Oh, I think – I agree with that. I just don't know how much they're going to throw it to the running back in general. Um, but I do think I, this, is a, you know, this is definitely a game you play. I mean, you can't beat anybody but playing Houston. You definitely want to have him in your, your backfield out there.
1: We're all going to be interested in the wide receivers of the Jacksonville Jaguars, exactly how everything breaks down. I have been adamant that DJ Chark will be the number one and that does not change here. He comes in my wide receiver 14 because of the matchup. He's fully healthy, ready to go. He's playing the X receiver spot. He will be the first read. And that's why I'm all about DJ Chark. However, All the wide receivers of Jacksonville are inside my top 48. Marvin Jones at 45, LaVisca Chenault at 43. So I think they can be considered flex plays if you're looking for some upside given the matchup here. Uh, Anything you have to say about the Jacksonville wide receivers?
2: I just differ a little bit. I'm big on Chenault this week. I think he's got a great matchup. I think he's going to be the guy that's kind of utilizing that slot more often than not. I think Trevor Lawrence because he top about the office line. While Houston has a great pass rush, I do think you're still going to see them kind of struggle being able to protect for him consistently. I think he's going to make it easy reads and get the ball in Schnoll's hands and be able to have produce from there. So I think he's going to be a solid floor with PPR purposes. But I also expect that you know his team isn't going to be a great tackling team on Houston. So I think that Chanel has the ability to have a nice game this game as well.
1: Yeah, he definitely has some upside I like it for DFS as well. Uh, this game. Minus two and a half for Jacksonville is the road favorite over under set of 44 and a half. I am hammering Jacksonville minus two and a half. There's no doubt in my mind. They win this game. What do you think?
2: I can't argue that. I just hate this game in general. I think both teams are just not trending in the right direction in my book. And there's games that I just, If Jacksonville is going to lose a game or Houston Houston is going to win a game this year, it's going to be versus Jacksonville and vice versa. So I do think that this is the one chance Houston probably has. Um, Having said that, I do think that Jacksonville should win this game.
1: I have much more confidence, Trevor Lawrence, than you do. So I think that's what the big key is there. Hey, guys, guess what time it is? The mail's here. And we're going to do this mailbag rapid fire style. But first, if you ever have a question throughout the week, we are here to help you out on social media at Billy MDFF show. We'll pick out our few favorite questions, but we are going to answer everything you guys send to us all season long. Cause we want to help you guys win your weeks. So first question up, we have Rainer. He asked me deck Prescott or Trevor Lawrence. I am going to say I have deck Prescott ranked ahead, but only two spots ahead. Cause I understand the argument here where if you have Trevor Lawrence if you you know there's a game to play them, it's usually gonna be against Houston. I might wait till the next game though, just because I want to see it happen on the field first, but I only have him two spots behind Dak Prescott.
2: Yeah, I think you can be happy with either quarterback there, but I think while you had the heart tougher matchup for Dak, I go with Dak just because I think the offense is better in general and what you're gonna get.
1: Henry, who is a better stash? I like this question a lot actually. Carlos Hyde or Tony Jones? Uh, For me, stash-wise, it's actually Tony Jones because I think he might get utilized more more than people are anticipating after Latavius Murray gets cut. And and with that offense, I think the Saints offense is going to be a more trustworthy offense. So if anything were to happen to Alvin Kamara, I like Tony Jones' upside a little bit more.
2: I 100% agree with you. I mean, we saw Jacksonville sign Duke Johnson, so he's only inevitable he'll probably be joining the backfield event more sooner than later. So I think the Tony Jones is clearly the backup to Alvin Kamara. We've seen Latavius Murray have solid you know, play as a flex and also stand value sometimes with Kamara in the lineup. So I think that's the guy you want to get.
1: Percy, should I start Cortland Sutton over Corey Davis? Short answer is yes.
2: Yes, I agree with that.
1: Okay. Uh, Karen, should I start the Devonta Smith or Kenny Galladay? Uh, Devonta Smith, you saw I have him ranked at 20th. I have Kenny Galladay uh, down in the forty-one range actually this particular week still coming back from his injury coming against a tougher matchup there uh, I'm not big on Kenny Galladay at all the season anyway but Devonta Smith if there's a game for him to light it up it's going to be week one against the Atlanta Falcons I'm all over Smith over Kenny Galladay
2: yeah we've talked about our Galladay differences but this is the week I'm differing at all I think I've avoided Giants offense if I can and Kenny Galladay is not the guy I want to play I like Smith this week versus Atlanta so I'm going with Smith
1: that's going to do it for the show guys Hope you all enjoyed it. It was our first show of the season, of the official kickoff season, I guess I should say. We'll be back tomorrow, at eleven a.m. to twelve thirty p.m. on social media at Belly MDFF Show and on your YouTube channel, the MDS Fantasy Football Show. We'll still be streaming live on the Fox D Network, so make sure you check that out on Roku and check us out tonight on the Unhinged Radio Network from six to seven thirty, leading into kickoff. That's right, the NFL kickoff tonight with Dallas and Tampa Bay. We will recap that game tomorrow talk about our matchups for the late Sunday games, the Sunday night, the Monday night game, get you the questions in there, jam-packed show, and then we'll be back again on Saturday from 9.30 to 10.30, streaming to you live, again, on social media, at Billy Up MDFF Show and on YouTube, the ND Sunday Football Show channel. Everybody, take care. Have a great kickoff tonight. We'll see you all tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs> That's right. Fantasy.